2: We are here to crown a king. Hi, I'm Ian Hannah Mansing. Welcome to Cross Country Checkup's coronation special.
3: I come not to be served, but to serve. Grant that I may be a blessing to all thy children of every faith
2: and belief. Our question, what's your reaction to the coronation of King Charles III? What's at stake for the monarchy in Canada?
4: A tremendous fellow who has for many years been deeply devoted and concerned for the environment. And even though as king he may not be able to do too much of that, I'm sure he would have a tremendous
5: influence.
6: I don't think Charles is his mother. I've been slavishly devoted to the royal family, but Charles by all accounts is quite an entitled
5: man. Mm -hmm. If he wants to spend his time righting the wrongs of a brutal colonial past, I think we'd all be very pleased about that.
7: I think life under King Charles will be just wonderful. I think he's a very caring, warm man.
2: Now that King Charles III is officially Canada's new head of state, the royal family is entering a new era. One where many Commonwealth countries are starting to question their ties with the monarchy. Jamaica is in the process of becoming a republic after Barbados cut ties last year. And if recent polls in Canada and the UK are any indication, interest in the monarchy is waning. As King Charles inherits the throne from his mother, Queen Elizabeth II. Still, this coronation, the first in nearly 70 years, is for many a once in a lifetime event, a celebration of a British institution which was foundational to Canada as we know it today. Our question What's your reaction to the coronation of King Charles III? What's at stake for the monarchy in Canada? In the last half hour, from new portraits to new dollar bills, there's a lot of change that comes along with the new king, and it's going to be expensive. We'll hear from Paul Havershrewd from Cost of Living about how much Canadians are going to pay for all of this. I'm Ian Hannah From CBC Radio 1, this is Checkup in 60, the podcast. Highlights from Cross Country Checkup's live coronation special from May 7th, 2023. right now here in london let's focus on king charles and queen camilla they are at a concert right now capping off the coronation weekend that concert is uh, at windsor castle and senior reporter renee filiponi has been covering that hi renee
0: hello ian
2: lots of buzz about lots of things including potentially tom cruise has there been a tom cruise sighting tonight (laughs)
0: Not yet. No Tom Cruise sighting yet, Ian. But the crowd inside, we can hear them from out here, outside Windsor Castle. And they all got here so early this morning. In fact, it was even before the sun came up because they wanted to get in in line so they could get a good seat, a good spot there on the ground um, to get in front of this stage that was specially built just for this coronation concert. In fact, 20,000 people are inside that venue, many of them volunteers who work with Camilla and Charles's organization. So, we, it, it started off, we saw some of the members of the royal family go into that royal box. Uh, the mood is very different than yesterday. Lots of laughs, lots of smiles. Um, there's the, the king, the queen, uh, Kate and William and just the two children It's a little too late For a little Prince Louis Who's only five years old Which is unfortunate Because we always love to watch uh, His crazy faces And all that sort of stuff But the, the concert's ongoing Lionel Richie is about to take the stage Right now One of the headliners But there is a little bit of Canadian content as well, Ian. The uh, Canadian cellist from Montreal, Marion Portalance, she played not long ago. And the interesting thing about her is the cello she was playing is, in fact, a cello the king himself had and had played before years and years ago. So a little bit of an interesting connection there, but clearly this is still ongoing. Uh, You know, today was really about sort of the celebration after all of that uh, ceremony yesterday.
2: I'm so relieved to see that you're in a nice, dry, relatively warm place. It's after nine o'clock here in London. (laughs) But man, I was watching that video of you yesterday during the coronation, and you deserve an extra ribbon for enduring that uh, cold, wet weather. Um, I assume assume that, that the change in weather, like at the park you're at, for example, has resulted in a bit of a change in mood, even concert aside.
0: You know what was so interesting, Ian, yesterday? And this was what surprised me, because I've never covered an event of this scale here in England before. There were four screens at that park in Hyde Park we were watching the coronation on yesterday, and it was pouring rain, and each of those screens had thousands of people. They were sitting on the ground with no tarps underneath them, getting absolutely drenched, and they didn't seem to care one bit. That's how much they wanted to be there. I was thinking, you know, in my mind... It's raining. No one's going to come out. They're going to want to sit at home in the cozy comfort, you know, of their own couches. But no, it did not stop anyone. And that was really remarkable to me because I know I was suffering and I had uh, (laughs) quite a big umbrella there with me, but they didn't seem to be bothered at all.
2: Listen, one last question for you, Renee. You were based here in London for two years up until 2021. You covered the royals during that time. So kind of curious, based on that perspective, uh, how have you felt about what you've seen, not just in terms of coronation weekend, but in the city of London over the last few days?
0: Well, Ian, through my period of time here, I was often covering the Harry and, and Meghan story. So it was often when things weren't going so well or Prince Andrew's scandals. The only real big event I covered here was the funeral of Prince Philip, And that was an interesting one because it happened during COVID. So there were no crowds. There was no real opportunity to interact with people. So this was a very different experience. And, you know, it's so different from talking to people in Canada. A lot more skepticism, a lot more people questioning the the role of the monarchy in Canada. But when you're on the mile or you're in these parks, these are die-hard royal supporters and, and throws that I have never witnessed before. And it really gave you sort of a different sense for a portion of the population here at least what the monarchy means to them despite some of the issues that people have been raising when it comes to the the cost of living and those sorts of things it's still a lot of
2: supporters here all those issues from the deep support to those who have uh, you know some tough questions we're hoping to hear of course over the next couple of hours on CBC News Network and CBC Radio on Cross Country Checkup enjoy this relatively warm spring evening in the park Renee thank you you're welcome Renee Filippone, a senior reporter at the Coronation Concert in front of Windsor Castle. Well, among the well-wishers lining London streets yesterday was Jean Alice Rowcliffe. She was born in Canada, but went over to the United Kingdom at the age of 17 and ended up working for the royal family. Jean got to know Charles as part of her duties. We caught up with her after the coronation and asked her what it was like to see him wearing the crown. It
8: was really remarkable. I was actually very cheerful because... I thought, here's this man who's waited all these years. You know, most of us in our 70s are ready to retire, and he's basically starting his position now. I felt like you could see the weight of responsibility was on his shoulders, even beyond the weight of the robe. I sense you know, he absolutely grasps the weight of what this role means and what he represents. And he now needs to shepherd this monarchy into the next generation, and, and what does that look like? I mean, it's been remarkable here with the crowds, the joy and the support that's on the streets for for him in this ring.
2: That's Jean Allen Rowcliffe, a Canadian, and former nanny to the royal family. Stay tuned. In a few minutes, we're going to connect with pollster Shachi Curl, who will connect the dots between her research and the opinions we'll hear throughout today's show. Arlene Miles has called, and she is in Toronto. Hi, Arlene.
9: Hi, Ian. How are you?
2: Good. How do you feel about the coronation?
9: He's not my king. Hmm. He will never be my king. I used to, I was born, um, well, when I was younger, my family's actually from Trinidad, and I was, from my grandmother, we got to learn about the royal family, and I was a royalist most of my childhood up until the passing of Diana, and that's when everything started to wane and seeing what has happened, and now with, with the scandals and... Just the hypocrisy of seeing what has been going on, I just said no. You will never be my king. And even though I have ancestry, my Miles of my last name, I'm a direct descendant. Even though he was he was an enslaver of Philip John Miles, who was a wealthy aristocrat, I just cannot follow it because it's just everything that went down. It's just it's time that Canada takes a step away from it. We can still, you know be a part of the Commonwealth, but not have a monarch? Why should we be paying... Each Canadian is paying fifty to almost $2 with inflation. Almost $59 million is going to someone living in a nice, comfy life. And he's not my shepherd. I don't under... I'm proud for those who do respect him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned, he's just a regular man who should go get a regular job and stop taking money from people. Yes, he's good with the there is there is slight when it comes to the environment and the conservations i can understand that but at the same time it's just time that we canadians say goodbye and say thank you so much the queen has passed it's time for us to, to
2: move on so arlene there's so much there and it's really interesting to hear your perspective uh, when you were a supporter of the royals why did you support them? What was it about the royals that 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 made you well? I don't know if you were excited about them, but you certainly no. I fell, uh, I was, supported I fell them. in
9: love. It was um, sorry to interrupt. It was because I'm. It was I was four years old, and I was watching. It was watching the well, seeing how the press firm was following Diana and Charles, mm-hmm. and that just the more I got to learn about, it, the more I just it just became a second breath to me that everything I did, I actually was hoping to work for the royal family to become a lady-in-waiting, which probably would have never happened because of the color of my skin. Hmm. But just learning about that was everything, and anybody would, like, anybody would say anything about, like, don't you dare say anything about the queen, that's the monarchy. I, I would pledge, and I was a girl guide, so we'd always pledge allegiance and I'd be saying, the, to the queen of my country. And then it was just after that day that I'll never forget the day coming out of the movie theater in August in 1997 and seeing people bawling their eyes out wondering what is going on. And this has happening right on Young and Bloor wondering what is happening. That was the mm-hmm. old Charles Theatre. And grown men, cars are stopping, people are bawling their eyes out and hearing the Queen of Hearts is dead. It was, it was Diana that made me even stronger to have more respect for that, for the family. Okay. But when she had passed away, that was the biggest I was a heart blow. Um,
2: okay. That was Ar- Yes,
9: sorry.
2: Yeah, no, no. I appreciate you calling. I, uh, it's an interesting perspective. So, thank you very much. Ashley Fraser is a CBC News TikTok producer. She's been monitoring the response to the coronation all weekend. Hi, Ashley.
10: Hi, Anne. How are you?
2: I'm doing really well. Uh, tell me a little bit about the reaction on social media uh, to the coronation.
10: Well Ian, you know, one thing to note is our team monitors social trends all week and the reality is is that the coronation was really not a topic of interest. Um, You know, it's very different from past royal events. Many speculated that the Queen's death would represent sort of a jumping off point for some even long-time royal watchers, so that's something interesting to watch for as Charles adjusts to the throne. Um, Things we obviously picked up a lot yesterday in terms of people wanting to watch the coronation and wanting to watch content and social media about the coronation. So my feed was certainly filled both positive and negative things about the coronation. Um, That being said, we did get a lot of comments on social and on our articles about the coronation where there were some major, major
2: themes. Yeah, and tell us about the themes that emerged.
10: Yeah, so one thing we noticed is we often do are differing views on the cost of the coronation. So Sandra Cole tweeted us, and she tweeted your account to say that the coronation and the cost to taxpayers is ridiculous. Acting like God commanded these people, the royals, that they are somehow above everyone in supreme being and ought to be revered is ridiculous. Enough is enough. Um, on the CBC News TikTok account, a user going by Daggersheim uh, had a different view and said, Everybody complains about the cost, but it's not like they're burning it in a pit. It all goes right into the ceremony by hiring security, artists, etc. And to add to that, Ian, our social team actually ended up doing an FAQ article and video based on the questions we got about the coronation. And lots of people asked us about the cost, who pays for the coronation, and many of us asked why a coronation is needed when he's already king. Um, The comments on that video and the article were quite mixed. You know, some say this is a symbolic tradition, a rare one, once in a lifetime watch. And so all that pomp and circumstance is okay. On the other hand, some pointed to the fact that, you know, both in Canada and the UK, inflation is high right now, we're in a cost of living crisis. So why are we doing this now? It's not needed.
2: Excellent. Ashley, looking forward to hearing from you again. We'll get a couple more updates on social media. And I should point out, you, of course, were uh, a producer on Cross Country Checkup now on TikTok. And it's just coincidental that you happen to have a British accent. And the first time you've been on our show talking about social media reaction is about the coronation. Absolutely a coincidence. Just thought I'd point that out. Thanks, Ashley. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Daphne Young is calling from Treaty One Territory in Winnipeg. Hi, Daphne.
7: Hi, Ian, how are you? Good. <laughs> Good. Uh, maybe you want to get up after our conversation, go run up on that uh, house's big door and knock on it and tell that uh, King Charles that we got to
2: talk. Okay, all right. Well, listen, as as you know, it's it's only a few meters away. Not sure how security would feel about that, but, but what, what message would you like me to, to give the King?
7: Tell him it's from uh, Daphne Young in Treaty 1 territory. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, prior to this coronation, I was really anti-royalist. But then realizing that uh, the treaties are signed with the crown, now I'm a reluctant royalist. Hmm. And uh, I want to know, like, he's so concerned about the environment and everybody seems to be lauding him about that. Um, Well, Canada is one huge giant resource When is he going to honor the treaties? When are we going to have running water in treaties in Manitoba? Like, I have cousins and family all over the country. When I went to Talawit and Pagnerton a few years back, I mean, they have running water. That's a frozen landscape. How come they have running water and we don't? Because they have diamond mines. And I guess there's no diamond mines up north in Manitoba. Like, I'm so pissed off. So and I didn't want the monarchy. Oh, yeah. sorry, go ahead.
2: No, no, I was just going to say, like, uh, this is a big problem in Canada, right? And that running water is, is, you know, if it's not technically a right, it ought to be a basic right for people everywhere in the world and certainly within this country. Do you think that even, I understand... The, the historic connection between the Crown and Indigenous groups when it comes to treaties. But in 2023, do you think the answer to this comes from the Crown, or is this something that, that governments in Canada should be addressing?
7: Well, obviously the governments in Canada should be addressing it. Mm-hmm. I still believe that Canada should leave the Commonwealth. The only thing, of course, that worries me is, would our treaties still be honoured? At which point mm-hmm. we get the land back. Land back doesn't mean you all go back to Europe. Land back means here we are now, here we are together. Let us together make decisions about this land. So that we can, on the one hand, conserve it. On the other hand, use resources viably, feasibly, without running down. Uh, we want sovereignty. You know, to us, King Charles is an equal. It's, it's amazing. It's astounding to see how many people would raise him up to be a higher. But no, to us, he's an equal because, especially in my own band, uh, I'm Ojibwe, Red Rock Tribe, in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are no leaders. When we wanted a leader, we elected a leader for that specific situation. And once that situation was passed, back to everybody being
2: sovereign. Daphne, can I ask you one last question? Sure. In your circles, family, friends, your community, if you had to come up with a number, what percentage of people do you think you would guess support the monarchy? 10%. Mm
7: Mm-hmm.
2: All right. Yeah, thank you, thank, I think yeah. a
7: lot of that comes from ignorance of not understanding like even a couple of years ago like I said I was anti-royalist those duties are signed with the crown mm-hmm. reluctant Royalists now, what am I going to do what, what? where do we go from here I mean, it's a bigger question than I can answer but I do hope that we get what we want which is everybody being okay, the government doesn't fund us, we're funded from like a a, a trust fund because the government is earning money from our lands through those fees, so when they give money back to the reserves, that's not taxpayer dollars, that's our own money from our foster parent that says you can only have this much.: You know I appreciate hearing
2: more. I, I, yeah, a lot of I mean, I appreciate your insights as a as a reluctant monarchist and and what is behind that. Thank you very much for calling us.
7: Thank you, Ian. You're a very
2: wonderful, man. I appreciate that. One of the things that's always difficult for any of us to do uh, is, is gauge the amount of support that something has. And in this case, the monarchy or the king. And, and, you know, so we just try to figure it out, like who among our friends and families are saying different things. But pollsters, when they're doing their job properly, have a pretty good sense of these things because they go out there and uh, and engage public opinion. And let's bring in Shachi Curl into our conversation. She is the president of the Angus Reid Institute, which is a polling and public opinion firm. She and her colleagues have been tracking how Canadians feel about King Charles, along with changing attitudes towards the monarchy. And Shachi joins us from our Toronto studio. Hi.
11: Hey, Ian.
2: You've been listening during our show, and uh, as, you, as you hear the attitudes in those calls, how does it reflect Canadian attitudes?
11: I think it's, it's very reflective of the cross-section of attitudes and feelings that Canadians are having towards the monarchy. You're going to have people who are all-in royalists, who love the family, who love the tradition, who love the pomp and circumstance. And by the way, I mean, there were moments yesterday where you couldn't help but be moved by that pomp and circumstance. Anyone hearing you know, Handel, uh, Handel's uh, arrangement of Zadok the priest in that moment, I mean, that, that's a stirring thing. But the data tells us that by a 2 to 1 margin Canadians are more inclined to see Canada transition emerge away from being a constitutional monarchy over the next generations than keeping it over the next generations and when we've asked this question over the last several years and we've asked it specifically in a way around looking ahead because the what next and what replaces and how do you do the constitutional changes required to to transition to something else and how do you satisfy uh, the the concerns that the last caller just had around the conversations around crown indigenous treaties and what is wh- how how do you deal with all of that it's not a 5 to 10 year horizon we we may be talking 30 50 70 years but when Canadians look ahead, they do not see Canada as a country that that needs to continue to be a constitutional monarchy in that long term for generations to come.
2: I get the sense when I talk to people that, that you know, some of them have uh, feelings about the crown generally as an institution, but often for other people it's driven by their feelings about individuals. We saw that certainly with Princess Diana, but other royals have sometimes very strong uh, negative or positive reactions with people. And in terms of your polling, did you get a sense of of how people feel about uh, Queen Camilla, for example, or Prince William? Uh,
11: well, uh, the feelings of warmth are not really there towards uh, the new official queen. But in mm-hmm. fact, you've, you've got a significant uh, majority of Canadians who continue to say this woman is not our queen. We do not support her as queen. Sixty percent say that, that the title issue is an issue for them in terms of her likability or favorability. It's, it's not there. William is seen as a more sympathetic and, and favored personality. Uh, the king himself has never been among the most popular royals out there. But I think it's really important to point out, though, Ian, that despite the fact that you've got some royals who are hot and some who are not <laughs> in the eyes of Canadians and some some maybe who are a little bit up or down on that popularity poll, what we have seen is a level of consistency around that desire for Canadians to to see their country transition away. And what I mean by that is two thirds of the people in this country towards the end of her life, before Queen Elizabeth II died, had tremendous affection for her. They respected her. They, They liked and loved her. They favored her. And yet, even going back a, a couple of years it didn't really move the needle in terms of wanting to see canada transition away and no longer be a constitutional monarchy so love the queen wanted to maybe think about a way out a way to leave uh, really don't like the king the new queen as much <laughs> still want to think about a way to leave. And and a lot of that has to do with what your callers are talking about. A lack of feeling of personal connection. A lack of feeling of uh, the the notion that the royal family is is a relevant institution to them. A relevant one. They don't feel that, that it is relevant. Or feeling as though uh, that the royal family reflects outdated values rather than modern ones. So the task ahead for the Windsors with Charles at the top of it now and and having been crowned uh, in a very nice and moving way is really, if they can, from a comms perspective, from a PR and marketing perspective Mm -hmm. to speak to different audiences and to demonstrate that they're hearing from different audiences. And I think we saw tiny elements of that um, yesterday. And I I think that's noted and acknowledged. But Mm -hmm. the big question for me is we go back eventually at some point to talk to Canadians about this issue, although... I you know, kudos to you Ian for continuing to, to keep up the energy on this. I myself am a little bit coronated <laughs> out. But that said, when we go back and ask these questions again over time, mm-hmm. uh, it really will be around has it been too little too late? So will the the changes in tone, the changes in message, the changes in aligned values um, make a difference and, and turn the ship or or are we just in a post colonial, post royal place? Um, You know, in an evolutionary perspective, these are open questions. I don't know the answers, but as a pollster, I love being able to find out.
2: Yeah. And listen, I'm very concerned about your post-coronated state. So I'm not going to keep you much longer. (laughs) Uh, Let me ask you one more question. You live not just in the world of polling, but also the world of politics. You understand the connection between the two. So I'm curious, um, given the numbers you've seen On this, the polling numbers you've seen, do you think that there is enough support either in terms of the number two thirds or the depth of support that would make it worthwhile for politicians to consider that what would be an arduous task, no matter how you feel about the royals of constitutional change here? Do you think there do you see enough in the polling numbers that ought to. Uh, motivate politicians to, to make a change?
11: I mean, never say never, Ian. And sometimes, as we both know, change comes a little bit at first and then very quickly all at once. But I think I would say that it's going to take a new generation of political leadership across the spectrum that does not have the ghosts and the nightmares and the scary goblins of the past around Const- the Meech Lake and Charlottetown and the 95 referendum for people to want to put their hands into the Pandora's box that is constitutional <laughs> reform in this country.
2: Well put, Shachi. Thank you very much for joining us.
11: Thanks, Ian. Have fun out there.
2: All right, Shachi Curl is president of the Angus Reid Institute and she was is I guess in our Toronto studio today. Uh, the mixed emotions about the monarchy do not stop at the Canadian border. Many commonwealth countries have been Questioning their ties with the monarchy, Barbados cut those ties last year. Jamaica is in the process of becoming a republic. Barbara Blake-Hanna is a longtime journalist, filmmaker, author, and a cultural consultant for the government of Jamaica. She spent part of her career in Britain dealing with racism in the 1960s as one of the first black on-air reporters in the country. And after the coronation, we reached her at her home in Kingston, Jamaica. Here's some of what she had to say.
12: Well, I got up early to watch the coronation. But as it progressed and became a religious event, a lot of things disturbed me. The more Christianity was used as the basis on which this man is being crowned as king to rule over my country because he's king of Jamaica. And the rituals and and the, the, the excerpts from the Bible really stuck into me because today's my Sabbath. And we were being told that God and Christ had ordained this man to rule over us. Does this mean that as of today, he's going to deal with the necessary apology and retribution for slavery? Is that carrying that rod means there's going to be some equity and some justice? You know, I would like that assurance. I would have liked to hear that assurance. I don't intend to have him reign happy and glorious over me. I can't wait for Jamaica to become a republic.
2: Powerful words from Barbara Blake Hanna, the the author of Growing Out, Black Hair and Black Pride in the Swinging Sixties. We reached her in Kingston, Jamaica.
0: Hey, my name's Jamie Poisson, and I'm the host of FrontBurner. It's the CBC's daily news podcast. And every day we're discussing the big events and fault lines shaping Canada and the world. Politics, economics, social movements, you name it. Sometimes we even talk about really fun stuff, like the enduring relevance of Lord of the Rings. You can hear Front Burner on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: And our next caller is in Toronto, Steve Kashevich. Hi, Steve. Hi there. How are you doing? Good. How do you feel about the newly crowned king? Okay. Well, I have
3: to say, personally, I don't care much one way. I don't care much one way or the other about mm-hmm. uh, the monarchy. But I noticed that uh, there's a, a bit of an information thing here that I have, I'd like to mention briefly and then not bother you anymore. You can get listings of the most democratic, which is to say democratically successful, so full participation in the democratic process, that sort of thing, or stable uh, country governments in the world. And it turns out that uh, six of them are constitutional monarchies, Denmark, Sweden, Canada. So Mm -hmm. I think that's maybe something just to uh, factor into our thinking. So, so I don't I fully the understand what, what, uh,
2: the, what the criteria are there, but what is it about having a king that makes us more democratic?
3: Yeah, just as to the criteria, uh, one of them is from the U.S. News and World Report, 1922, and another one is the Democratic Demo- Demographic index from the Economist mm-hmm. Group, also 2022. If you want a reference, uh, and th- I guess the in- implication to contemplate uh, would be that when you have a politically elected head of s- of government who constitutionally gets to report to a head, a non politically determined head of state, in in our case, uh, symbolically uh it may tend to lessen the the influence the range of politic of um populistic dare i say verging on fascistic looking at the south what's Yeah, but the I, I don't i don't uh, understand
2: it, i don't understand that I, I don't know how i mean r- really the, the the queen before and now the king is very much at arm's length. From our government, yes, technically there are things, uh, the roles that they may play in yeah. very rare emergencies, and even that is controversial. But I, but help me understand, like, what's the sort of short explanation of how having an appointed hereditary king, how that would um, protect us? from the From fascism let's say
3: well I re- uh, that's, I'm, I'm making a large reach there, so uh, this i 'm not saying this is anything anything deterministic, but i 'm referring mentally to one interview I saw with some uh, a reporter who made the point that in the u k uh, when the i think I, I guess it went all the way back to- Mar- even Margaret Thatcher uh, this person i don 't remember who the interview was with, said you know every week. The head of state has to go and report to the Queen at the time. Mm-hmm. So well, that that's certainly doesn't a bit
4: happen.
2: Potential yep. break to my mind
4: okay.
3: on on how governments can spin out of control. To make it yep. very very simple,
2: I mean certainly Canadian government doesn't report to the Crown in that way, and one wonders how symbolically. That one wonders how that regular report to the Queen uh, changed any way. Well, if it ever came way. to
3: that, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like Boris
2: Johnson, for example. I wonder how yeah. those reports to the Queen went. Um, I right. don't
3: know either, but uh, yeah. I don't know. Do we have fascists taking over? I'm, I'm just comparing what's what's yeah. going on in Canada to comparing what's happening in the States, which I think is maybe a warning of some okay. sort.
2: All right. Yeah. Um, Thank you very much for calling, Steve.
3: That's about it. You're welcome. Take care.
2: Okay. You've heard a lot of people talk about the financial uh, story involving the coronation. Having a new monarch as head of state does cost money. There's changing over everything from official portraits to stationery and the face on our money. And to help sort through some of these issues, we've reached Paul Havershrewd. He's the host of Cost of Living on CBC Radio 1, and he is in Calgary. Hey, Paul. Hey, there, Ian. Let's start with the last point. We learned yesterday that the new king will indeed be on uh, the new $20 bill and coins. What do we know about the timing?
13: Well, until yesterday, like you said, we didn't know much at all. We didn't even know. It wasn't a foregone conclusion that the monarch was actually going to end up on our $20 bill or on any of our coins. But yes, the finance minister finally did announce this decision. And in terms of timing, we're looking at for coins uh, sometime into the fall, because the uh, the Royal Canadian Mint is going to have to come up with a, a new effigy, as it's called in the coin world. Um, they'll roll that out in the fall. We'll all be able to see it, say, hey, look, there's the effigy. And then for bills, it's going to be a bit of a longer process. Uh, that's going to go to uh, uh, the Bank of Canada. They're going to commission a photographer or an artist of, of some sort to come up with the likeness. Um, and then that likeness will be approved both by the government of Canada as well as Buckingham Palace. And then it could be you know, several years before we see bills with King Charles's image uh, on them in circulation. And then, of course, until then, the money as we now know it with the Queen's image on and it'll
2: just continue to be legal tender and it'll
13: be, continue to be what we
2: use. For many of us throughout our lives, we've seen images of the queen everywhere because she's been our monarch for, for most of us, for our entire lives. Give us a sense of some of the other things that will be changing, and if we know what costs are involved. Well, we don't know a bunch about the costs. We have a sense of some of the things
13: that will be changing because we see them all the time, and and you know, I'm not entirely sure how old you are in. I think we're kind of maybe around the same age, but this is kind of wild, right? 1953? Like, she has been, she was with us for so, so long and ended up mm-hmm. in a lot of places. So... Her portrait hangs in what, like arenas, post offices. Those portraits portraits will need to be changed in those places, or some of those places might decide to go without a portrait. This would be, as some of your callers are talking about, another step in Canada choosing to distance itself from the monarchy. It's not like there's going to be sort of a uniform blanket decree, hey, hang the portrait or not. There's going to be a lot of individual choices across the country. Uh, The government did also yesterday just unveil a new design for the Canadian crown. The Canadian Crown actually sits on top of Canada's coat of arms and the coat of arms shows up in all kinds of different places, especially on things that are related to the federal government. So think about official seals, buildings, passports, some badges that are worn by the armed forces. Uh, The Supreme Court of Canada uses this. So over time, anything with the coat of arms on it will eventually get replaced. But at the same time, Ian, there's not a big rush to do this. You know, people aren't exactly breaking out the chisels tomorrow and going up to federal buildings <laughs> and saying, oh, you know what, we've got to get that new coat of arms up there. It's just going to be kind of this gradual process that happens as, as things get swapped out.
2: Well, having just renewed my passport for 10 years, I'm glad I don't have to trade it in to get the new, uh, the new crown on there and that I'll be able to use my passport uh, for the remaining time. One last thing, Paul. Uh, what does it cost us in Canada to have the monarchy? Well, your last caller was just talking about that and I'm glad to have a bit of an answer for her. the cost to
13: maintain a relationship with the crown directly is about 59 million dollars a year now this number comes from the monarchs monarchist league of Canada so very pro-monarchy organization obviously Uh, none of that money goes to Buckingham Palace we don't send any of that money uh, to to Great Britain Uh, so we didn't pay a cent for the coronation all of that money is spent here in Canada about 80% of that 59 mil goes to the governor general. And this goes to things like the upkeep of buildings. So think Rideau Hall, the official residence for the governor general, uh, the monarch's second official residence, which is in Quebec, the, the citadel uh, in Quebec city, actually. Uh, of course, the governor general takes trips, you know, hands out pins, what does the GG do? Throws garden parties, I'm sure. You know, Her salary is about $300,000 a year. So my, that money goes towards that. Then there's the lieutenant governors. They make about 150 K a year. And, and Ian, one other thing here. We're also part of the Commonwealth, of course, which can feel like a bit of an anachronistic organization. But yeah, it's still mm-hmm. around. Meets every couple of years. They got the Commonwealth Games. We pay about $11 million a year to be a member of the Commonwealth. Um, we could at another time talk about what we get for that money or don't. Uh, but all in, Canada spends about $70 million a year to maintain our current relationship with the Crown. You know, last budget was what? $400 billion plus. So... million isn't nothing, but at the same time, it's not, you know, the crown jewels, which you'll (laughs) decide.
2: I always love hearing your take on finances, whether it's about the monarchy or the many other topics you deal with on your CBC radio program, Cost of Living. Paul, thank you very much. Hey, thanks, Ian. Paul Havershrewd is in Calgary. On Thursday, as I mentioned earlier in the program, three Indigenous leaders met with King Charles. They shared their priorities with the new king. And for his view, we reached out to Nigon Sinclair. He's a columnist for the Winnipeg Free Press and a professor of Indigenous Studies at the University of Manitoba. We asked him what the coronation would mean for the relationship between Indigenous people in Canada and the Crown. And here's what he told us. I think Indigenous leaders generally see an opportunity here to get an ear that wasn't present before. I mean, Queen Elizabeth was well known for being about photo ops and not actually listening to Indigenous peoples. And so Prince Charles, now King Charles, in his previous relationships with Indigenous communities, was a pretty good listener. He also was very moved by attending residential school survivor gatherings. And the fact that he's recognize the value of Indigenous languages, which is through his charity, and also the fact that he's gone back to, you know, invite those communities into a relationship with him, um, are indicative of some different behaviors that uh, may not lead to worldwide global change, but are important gestures because they evoke treaty. That was Negan Sinclair speaking to us just after the coronation coming up, as we heard. Polling in Canada on the king and the monarchy as a whole suggests that support is soft. So in a few minutes, we'll connect with a Canadian marketing expert on how to remake the image of the king. Uh, Let's go to Fredericton, New Brunswick, Linda Ferrier. How are you, Linda?
5: I'm fine. Thank you, Ian.
2: Am I pronouncing your last name correctly?
5: Yes, you are. I get many variations thereof, but you've done it perfectly.
2: Excellent. That's, that's good to hear. And so how do you feel about King Charles?
5: Well, I, I must admit, I, I wasn't <clears throat> quite sure how I was going to react. I did stay up all night, actually, because I didn't want to miss the, any moment of this coronation ceremony because it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to see history happening before you. And uh, I, I was actually more moved than I thought I would be. First of all, I mean, I, I, the music, which I understand he chose every single piece, was absolutely phenomenal. And we had representation from Canada in the orchestra that was playing. And I, I, I just, I was so moved by different parts of the ceremony. And it surprised me that it 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 involved my emotions as much as it did.
2: Mhm. And so besides the music and seeing Canadians involved, what else was it that touched you emotionally?
5: I was watching the reaction that we had. I, w- I stayed with the CBC, and I, I thought the cameras caught um, a lot of his his emotion. Um, you could see that he was a bit nervous, and um, and not you know there were times when he was a bit hesitant as to what he was going to do next. And I found it quite fascinating. Of course, he had people giving him the cards, the cue cards, so that he wouldn't mess up and 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 say not something he wasn't supposed to. But I, I guess. Um, it was more humanizing to me than I thought it would be. And mm-hmm. when they put the screens up so that he could be anointed in private, I mean, I thought, oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, as I said, um, and of course, you know, seeing the, the, uh, the troops march and, and the RCMP on those wonderful, beautiful horses uh, and the coach, as you've already mentioned, um, it, it, yeah it was it was on an all and about in watching the members of the commonwealths come in as mm-hmm. separate you know i i thought that was it was it was done i thought quite well
2: and on CBC News Network, once again, we are looking at some of the video from yesterday. It was, uh, it was a spectacle. And uh, some of the shots, not so much the one that's on right now, but some of the shots, I was thinking Hollywood directors would be impressed by the way, the grandeur, the, the marching shots, as we're seeing now. It, 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 as, a, as a production, it was incredible. But, but Linda, what about the monarchy? Do, do, you, do we need it still in Canada?
5: well I I, I I waffle on that i've I've been listening to comments made by your previous callers and all make good points and thank God we have a democracy in which we are able to express our views without mm-hmm. you know feeling that we can't and that we can be you know um, credible and and say what we think
9: mm-hmm.
5: um, as far as the monarchy goes yes I mean there's king charles is a, is the head now uh, he 's the view that we see, and i 'm willing to give him an opportunity, as I, I mentioned to your producer, that you know everybody gets a probationary period when they start <laughs> a new job, yeah. and I think that I will hold my judgment on him as a king until I see how he does. He he seems to be a little more in tune because he's had a lot of time to prepare for this role, mm-hmm. and it's one thing being educated in what you're going to do and then actually being pushed into the the job, as they say. And I, I understand there certainly will be restrictions on how he will be able to uh, illustrate his viewpoints, and especially on the environment and and whatnot, because he's supposed to be you know neutral. Mm-hmm. But you can't help but feel that he. He's a man who actually seems to listen to people. I watch him when he does his walkabouts, and I watch him, you know, when he's being interviewed. I think he he he's a bit shy, and he's mm-hmm. probably a little more wooden than, you know, he's not the Hollywood production character that you would pick. But I think that, in my opinion, substance is, is better than, than looking at a pretty picture of something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that... Um, He has the potential to be a good king, and as far as Canada goes, yes, I mean, there's a lot of people, and I've been certainly listening to the news, a number of people who want to get rid of the monarchy, and, you know, I'm I'm sort of waffling there, I, I think... I mean, given my in my age group, I'm a senior, and I obviously i am not as, uh, I'm more into tradition than maybe some of the younger okay. generation. Yeah. But I think as far as our Constitution, I mean, everything we've got, our laws, our way of governing, is all based in the Constitution, and it would take, you know, I'd be interested to see what the options are. And I think, you know, I think it's really important for people to make themselves aware of what, our structure is, as opposed mm-hmm. to just automatically saying, "Well, I don't want King Charles as my my head of government," or, okay. or, or so. That's that's basically. I mean, I'm running off in the mouth.
2: I'm a bit a bit no, nervous here. No, 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 no. But listen, I, I, I appreciate that. And again, I think, and this reflects some of our other calls. You know, I, I was saying to somebody that, that a lot of social media reaction that I was seeing was, you know, very extreme and, and very much to a point. Uh, and one of the nice things about this program is that we can give people time to to speak a little longer and to uh to and for a lot of people like like for you the uh the the viewpoints are complicated so thank you very much for calling in let me bring in max valaket um, we heard earlier about the, the polling from Shachi Curl. Uh, she's with Angus Reid. She shows, uh, she, you know, she talked about how the polling shows that just under half of Canadians surveyed do not have a favorable view of the new king. Uh, Max Vallecat is a brand marketer, a consultant, a founder of Youthography, which was a marketing company devoted to the youth market. And he is in Brooklyn, New York. Hi.
1: Hi,
2: how are you? I'm doing well. So so uh, this week, Abacus Data released a poll saying more Canadians have a negative impression of King Charles than positive. Why do you think he isn't more popular with Canadians?
1: Well, a lot of it comes down to the demogra- demographics that I think you've already been through. Fewer Canadians have a direct tie to, historically, in their own lineage to that part of the world than ever before, and that's going to have an impact, obviously. But I think the royal family has been tarnished by a series of some scandals some are larger than others some are smaller than others but over time it helps to erode how people tended to feel And i always tell my clients that a brand is the sum total of all of the engagements anyone has ever had with you and so if you think about what we've seen from the royal family in the past 20 or 25 years it's very different than what we would have seen from the royal family in the half century leading up to that and it's been a gradual but steady erosion of favorability and here he is.
2: And you know I I haven't watched The Crown many 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 friends of mine have they uh, suggest that I take a look at that show Uh, but the portrayal as I understand it of Charles is not flattering in The Crown and and I assume that that's affected his quote-unquote brand
1: hundred percent. You bring up a really good point, which is the way that popular culture intersects with branding and marketing more than ever before. And so 30 or 40 years ago, there would have been parodies of him on English shows like Spitting Image or something like that. And very few of us might've been exposed to that. But now a show like The Crown is a worldwide blockbuster on Netflix. Everybody watches it. And of course it has a significant impact on how people think about him. At the same time, there are things you can do to build up your brand. And we should mention, of course, that the man is approaching his mid 70s, right? So this is not a young king. This isn't someone who was crowned at the age of 26 and felt youthful and vibrant and maybe properly aspirational for young people as his mother would have at the time quite a while ago. But he's also squandered his biggest and most popular assets with young people in his second son, Harry, obviously, and in Meghan, two people who, as controversial as they might be, Had there been some kind of very strong, unified family presence at the coronation that used the undeniable star power that the two of them have with younger people, we might be seeing higher favorability ratings for King Charles with younger people, but that's not happening.
2: Yeah, and it is interesting how individuals, personalities can, can really drive popularity. And with the royals, uh, you, you need to go no further than Princess Diana. But that cut both ways, right? That uh, for a while, so many people were enchanted by her and presumably more favorable towards the royals. But uh, when her relationship broke down, uh, that obviously, you know, Charles suffered in terms of his uh, popularity. So here is an easy question for you. Uh, if somebody came to you as a brand expert, yes, you realize I'm saying that tongue in cheek um, sure. and said, okay, you know, uh, explain to us how King Charles can better his brand, especially among younger people. Can it be done? And what would you suggest?
1: It needed to start months ago he needed to engage his son and his daughter-in-law months and months ago it's still possible to do it but there's never going to be as much of a spotlight on him as there has been this past weekend and so that would have done huge amounts of work i actually believe that had the two of them been on board and publicly on board you would have seen a domino of other celebrities quite famously an awful lot of people have refused to play the coronation right you've got weirdly katie perry and lionel richie so i guess they were going for two-thirds of all the American Idol judges, you would have had a much greater amount of star power there, I think, which really could have helped as well, but it would have started with the two of them. It's funny that you mentioned Princess Diana, because I can remember being 11 or 12, maybe, and someone asked her who her favorite band was, and she said Duran Duran, which at the time was my Mm -hmm. favorite band, and it made a (laughs) profound impact on me, and I thought, oh, my God, you know, Royals, they're just like us. So. There is stuff that can be done, but it has to come from a more authentic position. And it's very difficult for someone who's in their 70s to be authentically useful. So take those assets that you have and use them. That had to start months ago. It could still be repaired, but this was a huge missed opportunity.
2: Max, really nice talking to you. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks, Ian. Thank you very
2: much. Max Vallacant is a marketing consultant and founder of Youthography. Now, earlier in the program, we heard from Jean Alice Rowcliffe, a Canadian who moved to the United Kingdom and became a nanny for the royal family. She got to know Charles a little bit while she was there, and we asked her for a story about him.
8: Well, I recall at Windsor, when when they would do Christmases at Windsor Castle, and I remember um, one day coming around a corridor, and he was there, and we almost literally bumped into one another, and... He laughed, and I you know, did my curtsy and said, "Oh, your royal highness, I'm so sorry." And I was, I was very mindful that you know, within the family in those days, you only spoke and spoken to. And he thought it was such a joke, and he took my hand and arm, and he just said, "Oh, it's fine, it's fine." And and then he was asking about you know my family in Canada and what were they going to do for Christmas. And I thought how lovely that he's made that connection on Christmas, and he he had time that day. For me as a canadian away from her family i was always known as the canadian even the queen would call me the canadian
2: <laughs> that's Jean alice rowcliffe a canadian and former nanny to the royal family and diane craig has called us from rossay which is just outside st john new brunswick hi diane hello what's your reaction to the coronation
6: uh two points really mm-hmm. first thing i really enjoyed the service Uh, an important part of the service to me was the emphasis on that he is there to serve. The coronation is consecration. To impress upon him that he must devote his entire life to service. Uh, So that's one point. The Mm -hmm. other point is, I support the monarchy. I think a constitutional monarchy is very stable and an effective form of a democratic government.
2: So that's an interesting point of view. What is it about having a king, a hereditary king, that makes our democracy more stable?
6: Ah, several things. First of all, the monarch, whoever it may be, is above politics. They have nothing to do with politics. They cannot be influenced by politics. They are separate. So therefore, they are direct link to the people bypassing the political system in that sense. Second thing, when you have a change of government, in other words, Prime Minister, uh, and that is going on, you still have your head of state. There is never an empty seat there. There's always someone in position. Third thing, a politician cannot, shall we say, grasp the top rung. They can't be it keeps politicians working on the real things. They can't go for the shiny bubble, the shiny thing at the top where they can, you know, be in charge of everything including, you know, the uh the ceremonial in other words. So it gets them working on what needs to be done by government. And I think that's an important thing too. And also the monarch has the right to advise the politicians of the day and to be advised by them. So there's a soft influence that is... Do you really
2: want... Is it it really appropriate, though, to have uh, an appointed or a, a hereditary king, especially one who is in a different country, giving any sort of counsel to our elected leaders?
6: Well, take, for example, the Queen. How many prime ministers both in Britain, in Canada, Australia, did she actually see in her lifetime? Did her representatives actually have in that lifetime? Where they had opportunities for soft influence, where they had opportunities to be sounding boards to a politician who, a, a politician, if they use someone else as a sounding board, that person may have ambition. They may have other motives in giving them advice. The crown has no ambition. The monarch has no ambition that way. It's confidential. We don't know what those sessions are like for that very reason, so that the prime minister can, as I say, give advice and be advised.
2: I'm not sure what kind of advice the queen or the king uh, would be giving the prime minister uh, on political issues, but it's an interesting uh it's an interesting viewpoint i'll have to think a little bit more about that but thank you very much for calling in all right this is cross-country checkup and uh we are talking about the coronation of king charles it was nearly 70 years ago that we last saw the crowning of a new monarch in the commonwealth and that means for most canadians this is the first coronation in their lifetime our next guest is in London to witness this weekend's historic events. Nathan Tidridge is Vice President of the Institute for the Study of the Crown in Canada at Massey College. And uh, as I say, we've reached him in London. Hi.
14: Hi, Ian. How are you?
2: Good. How did you feel about uh, Canada's role in yesterday's events?
14: Canada's role in yesterday's events. Um, yeah. I, 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 we were present, and it was good that we were there. I was, uh, I was with the Indigenous delegation that was at uh, at Riedel Hall, and uh, it was a real privilege to witness uh, the events uh, through the, with their through their perspective. Um, I thought uh, our government uh, could have done a little bit more. It would have been nice to, to know the delegation. Um, we had, it would have been nicer to have a little bit more time to know, uh, learn about our delegation and things like that. But, um,
2: yeah. And, you know, you've heard the polling. There's been, uh, been lots of stories on it. We've talked about it here on, on the program. A lot of Canadians yeah. are uh, ambivalent or even skeptical about the new monarch. From your perspective, do you feel that King Charles is uh, starting things off properly? Well, he's just continuing
14: what what he's always done. Um, these poll numbers, uh, I'll say I'm not surprised my day job as a teacher. And uh, given the state of how we teach our democratic uh, practices, our, our treaty relationships, and our history to... Uh, to, our, to our, our children, to our, our fellow Canadians. I'm not surprised by these numbers. We need to understand our history and our institutions uh, before we go you know, do these polls. And I think if people had a better understanding of how this institution works for the country, and I was, I've been listening to a couple of your last uh, um, uh, callers and I, their points are quite valid. And uh, I think we need to have a more fulsome discussion around those points.
2: Well, so give me an example. Give me, you know, we have lots of callers and limited time now, but one thing that you feel Canadians ought to know about the role of the monarchy that might change their views of the monarchy?
14: I think a really interesting thing is that that was really apparent this last weekend was the the theme of service, that this is an institution that is designed to serve. Um, And and that is unusual in our uh, kind of period that we're in right now. Everything seems to be focused around the individual. Uh, What does this do for me? Um, You know, what is the political gain? That sort of thing. But this is an institution that is designed to think long term. So that's why traditionally you see uh, the, the crown focused around long-term things uh, for our country. The environment is a great example. The king has a long tradition that he picked up from his father. Treaty relationships, the oldest relationships in North America, are with the crown, some going back over 400 years. These are the sorts of things... Um, that that uh, sustain the country. And it, it does so quite quietly, maybe too quietly, which is why kind of we're in the state as far as the knowledge uh, of the institution's role within our country.
2: Although, you know, some people would say that there's a long tradition of... Uh questionable relations with various ethnic groups and, and you know, the burden of colonialism. Um, and, and that Yeah, and, and so those are also things that uh, the royal family uh, and the monarchy have been associated with for a long time. Well, the Canadian state
14: has been associated with those things for a long time. The crown is a symbol. It represents the country uh, in which it exists, the society in which it's, it, it it exists, and as a symbol and as an institution, it's used by political actors uh, for for all kinds of things. And and yes, it's true that there are, there are certain there are monarchs that participated in these things, um, but uh, also too uh, in the in the modern history of the crown. Uh, it's us. It's, it, it, it's, it, it, it's our institution. So what do we, it's what we choose to do with that institution. Uh, that's what moves us forward as a country. So the question is, what does the Canadian government, how is the Canadian government going to use the institution uh, to move us forward as a country? This is particularly true of reconciliation. We have a king that is very engaged on reconciliation. It was the first thing that he talked about when he ascended the throne. Mm -hmm. And so now the question goes to the government who must action that. How will the government um, allow that to happen in this country?
2: All right, Nathan, thank you very much for connecting with us.
14: Thank you so much,
2: Ian. Nathan Tidridge is the vice president of the Institute for the Study of the Crown in Canada at Massey College. And he, like me, is in London tonight. All right, I have time for at least a couple more calls here on Cross Country Checkup. Robert Hall is in Saskatoon. Hi, Robert.
4: Hello, Ian. I guess you're running out of time, so I'll get right to the point here. I I was absolutely uplifted with the uh, ceremony yesterday. I mm-hmm. couldn't take my eyes off it. I thought, is this ever positive? And, you know, it was raining, which mm-hmm. is appropriate for London. It should have been <laughs> raining. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, given our current environment, like the world's in a tough place and our country's in a tough place. And the poll you're talking about maybe was polled at a time when, you know, we've got the legacy of the COVID. That was hard on people. We've got inflation, up, uh, uh, environmental worries and issues, uh, and so on. And if, you know, if you poll people right now, just about anything, I suppose even mother's milk, you could <laughs> find most of them will be against it.
2: So you found the you found the coronation uplifting. How do you feel about the monarchy?
4: Well I was absolutely surprised that it only cost us seventy million dollars a year all in. I think it's a great thing it lifts us up. Has no impact on our government, well, probably minuscule impact on our government, but I think it does it gives us something nice to look up to. You know, and if I could give you a little story here I, I i'm very involved with the indigenous community have been mm-hmm. for 50 years as a teacher administrator and i go to a lot of powwows recently we had a massive powwow in regina and i went and i saw some elders by the way i'm old enough to be an elder i am just about 80 okay and i asked him he says the, the, the couple of elders and they said our people feel better at this and I thought, isn't that something? Lots of regalia, lots of dancing, but it lifted people up. Okay, They felt good. And we need that in this country. And I think that the monarchy on an ongoing basis does it. As far as the effect in our governance, well, you know, mention another thing. I don't know if you've ever heard of the RCMP sunset ceremony at the training depot in Regina. During the summertime, and... 1,000 people will go to mm-hmm. watch this. And it has much of British tradition, our country's tradition, with all the recruits marching, pulling the cannon, the horses with the white, and the the officers with the young helmets. And you go home saying, yeah, there's something here that okay. we can hang on to that's good. So, I mean, that's just the, but the powwow, the right. ICMP thing. One other thing. Just,
2: no, I, I I have to jump out of here because I well, want to get one more call in, Robert. Interest. Sorry, sorry to do that to you. Thank you very much for calling in. That's it for Checkup in sixty this week. You've been listening to highlights from Cross Country Checkups' live coronation special on CBC Radio One from May seventh, twenty twenty three. You can listen to our full two hour version by streaming it on the CBC Listen app. You can always email us, checkupcbc.ca on Twitter and Facebook. Find us by searching for Checkup CBC. Thanks to all who helped this week, our phone screeners are Chuck Molgat, Kiada Greco, and Tori Goodwin. Our TV team is Caleb Isaac, Rachel de Gaspers, Brendan Sylvia, Vivian Ming, Dinu Sebzan, TJ Heidemann, Francois Turin, P.O. Bernachez, and Keith Whalen. Technical production and editing from Will Yar and Matthias Wilson. Our program assistant is Hannah Ebrahamsey. Cross Country Checkup was produced this week by Abby Plenner, Steve Howard, and Susan McReynolds. Our digital producer is Paul Hanchuk. The senior producer of the program is Richard Goddard. I'm Ian Hannah in London, England. The next edition of Checkup in 60 will be posted after the live show next Sunday. For
1: more CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca podcasts.